Welcome to the Doc G Show, a radio show cluster. Without further ado, critics have said he has the face for radio and a voice for silent films. Your host, Ben Doc G Gordon. And we are on the air. Welcome. To the Doc G Show, I'm your host, Doc G, with me as always, the one, the only, Mikey Maximus the Vernicus. Say what? Charette. Dr. Gordon, what's good, sir? Woo! Mike, I am uh, doing good. Word. Doing good yeah. on this this day of love, you know? Mm-hmm. Are you uh, you dropping 20 spots on two 2K games yet? Oh, you know what, Doc G? I actually finally looked into it, and I can't find a place to uh, lose my money playing. Oh, come in, on! In online 2K, yeah. I, there aren't a lot of options, so somebody needs to come up with something. Yeah, you you uh, heard it, listeners. You heard it. You got to get out there and challenge Mike to a game. Yeah. And lose your money to him. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, well, let's be let's honest. Go. They'll probably they'll probably beat you, Mike. But but still, yeah, it might happen. Listeners, if you have no idea what we're talking about, Mike is ultimately going to become an e-gamer, specifically Mm -hmm. an e-baller, okay, just for 2K. So, Mm -hmm. apparently, though, that dream has died just now, so... Pretty much, yeah. yeah. No options. Your other job, Mike, uh, being a stand-up comedian... Uh, yeah. you, I saw you were getting, getting into it the other night and you had a joke regarding bidets mm-hmm. and, oh, yeah. and you mentioned trying a bidet and a lady in the crowd was very, very adamant that you start using a bidet, Mike. Oh yeah, she was. She, so was everybody else. She was pro bidet. You had to settle them down, Mike. <laughs> yeah. They got into it. No, there. Was, I thought uh, there was going to be an uprising for a second. Got a little wild. Got a little wild. I mean, I was surprised by how invested she was <laughs> in you spraying your nether regions with water. She was, do it, do it. And I was like, well, easy, <laughs> easy. That's a bit much, man. Jeez. Don't need that kind of crowd work or crowd pressure. No, thank you. No, thank you. Mike, yeah. uh, speaking of spraying your nether regions with water, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's Valentine's Day. What? It is Valentine's Day. Mm-hmm. Your, uh, your first Valentine's... I've got, I've got my drink uh, improperly placed on my desk, listeners. I've got it on the wrong side. So I've got to go the dangerous side. Yeah, well, I've got to go the close to electronics. I've got to go through the <laughs> mic stand. It's oh, uh, okay. but over here, I've just got too many wires. I'm being an idiot. I'm going to try to put it th- there. That might work. Listeners, I'm sure you were invested in where I was putting my glass. I'm glad I could bring that to you. But Mike, it is Valentine's Day, and this is yes. your first Valentine's Day as a married man. Hmm. Yes. Does, it is. Does that mean you you no longer have to celebrate this holiday, or does that mean you so. have to celebrate it harder? Which will, yeah, I don't think I have to do anything now. Nice, nice. I've already done the ultimate Valentine's. That's true. Day present. You you already <laughs> did the did the maximum, and now yeah. you go to the minimum. That's good. I don't need to prove myself. Mm mm. Mike, uh, just to let you know and the listeners know, you guys are my valentines so there you go yeah so true yeah 
Historically, has your wife expected a celebration of Valentine's Day? Like, I mean, as as uh, you know, as a dating couple, were you guys? Uh, did you do Valentine's things? I mean, I wouldn't expect that you'd just be like, "Hey, do something for me." But like, did uh, you know? Did you guys? Did you back in the day? Were you a, a real romantic type of fella? Uh, you know, I get cards and chocolate, and yeah, you, we'll go out to eat. You do the standard. You do the yeah, standard. she just wants to go out to eat now. Like now, it's just let's go to a restaurant. Where we're going. I like it's the it. Busiest night of the year. Yeah, that's going to Big Chicken. That's that's a. Uh, <laughs> Shaquille O'Neal. Let's get it. Let's get it. Uh, Mike, that's good to know. That's good to know. And since it's Valentine's Day, I thought, what the hey? Let's do a couple of hot takes of history. Just real quick. There we go. You know? Yeah. Just real quick. HTH. HTH. Hot, 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 hot takes of history. Mike, the holiday originally came from the ancient Roman holiday, I'm going to probably uh, say this incorrectly, Lupercalia. Lupercalia. Yeah. Hmm. That's probably 100% wrong, but I'm going to say Lupercalia. <laughs> it's an ancient uh, Roman tradition. Ancient, it actually had, I think, uh, history before the Romans, but it was a ritual promoting health and fertility, Mike. And I'm not mm, going to go okay. into all the details, but it involved animals getting sacrificed. Whoa. And then ladies wearing part of the skin of the sacrificed animals as like a thong. And then folks would slap the ladies to make them more fertile. Mm, that's hot. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Nope. Um, now, I checked with the science team, Mike, and apparently that won't help you get pregnant. But... <laughs> <laughs> they tried it for hundreds of years. They tried it. Now, here's here, here comes another fact. HTH. HTH. Hot, hot, hot takes of history. Mike, like most things, the old Christians came in and ruined the wacky fun celebration of sacrifices and naked, nakedness. They came <laughs> in and said, no more Lupercalia. Girl, come on. And around 500, the Pope outlawed the festival, Mike. Just took it out. And then, by 700, there was the first written record of the Feast of St. Valentine's on February 14th. Mm. That's a fact. After that, Mike, nobody was getting naked. Nobody was wearing goatskin thongs. Lame. Lame, Mike. Yeah, yeah. HTH. HTH. Hot, hot, hot takes of history. Mike, we can blame the English. Huh? The English of all people for Valentine's Day being associated with showing your affection and expressing love for each other. Hmm. Okay. Okay. That is Thank one. You. That is one thing to expect from the English, Mike. That is the exact opposite of what those people naturally do. They show zero <laughs> affection at most times in their life. It's so weird. But apparently yeah. that's where the flower thing came from. That's where the candy thing came from. That's where mm -hmm. Valentine cards became a thing. They did all of that, Mike. Jeez. They did all of that and they didn't bring back running through the city in goat thongs. Mm. Whatever. 
Whatever, English. HTH. HTH. Of history, Mike. I'm sure you have uh, you purchased some Valentine's Day cards in your life. Oh yeah, oh yeah, lots of them. You remember getting those class box sets back in elementary school? Like, like, uh, like, with, like the cartoon character. Yeah, the yeah. Oh yeah, oh yeah. You, you oh, get yeah. like a forty pack, right? And then you oh, just man. you yeah. write to each person, and then maybe if you were feeling real rich, you'd get so, like a piece of candy and throw it in there. Mm. That was always good, man. The classy version. You could tell the people in the in the class that had money because they'd have like stickers or candy with them. Which yeah, you know, again, when you think about it, it's one of those things that you're like, eh. Sort of calling out people that are poor in your class that can't, like, afford those things. And they're just sitting over there with, like, their homemade Valentine's Day cards. And everybody in the class is like, what is this loser giving me? What is this? Doesn't have Spider-Man on it or anything. Well, this is not cool. But regardless, Mike, we can thank Esther Howland for those cards. Oh, she is the godmother of Valentine's Day cards in America. That's right. After mm. she graduated from Holyoke College, she made a Valentine's card empire in the late 1800s. And she she not only did that, but she had like an assembly line to make them faster. So she cut down the price because these used to be really exclusive things. Like, yeah. back in the 1700s when the English were making these things, they were like a dollar a card, which, you know, mm-hmm. back then was, yeah, a billion. $500. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, you know, she, she, she streamlined it, and, like, her cards were like five cents a card. Mm. Yeah. But they were still classy. They had, like, they had, like, lace on them and embroidery, and they were embossed. Mm. They were fancy cards, Mike. Okay, okay. Fancy. But sadly, at no point did she wear a goatskin thong. So, mm. still a downer. Still a downer. Early Valentine's Day. Exactly. <laughs> uh, listeners, as you can tell, my Valentine's Day will be filled with goatskin thongs. So, mm. you're welcome. Let's get those pics or it didn't happen, Doc G. Amen. Get ready, Instagram. Guys, go to the Doc G Show Instagram. There's going to be some pics before I get blocked of me in a go Doc phone. G Show only fans. Here exactly. we go. Let's go. Exactly. Valentine's Day special. Everyone is now throwing up. Uh, Mike, <laughs> now that we're romantically charged on HTH, are you ready to fire this show up? Let's fire up the show, Doc G. All three engines up and burning. Two, one, zero, and liftoff. Woo! Listeners, we have a fantastic show for you. My goodness. We have a, this is a true fact, a Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductee. Mm. He's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I was about to say we had never had that before, but then I had to check. We did. I forgot. We, you know. (laughs) Yeah, you know. We have a lot of rock. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I forgot about Phil Collin from Def Leppard. How could I do that? He's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. But this man today, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, co-founded the band Traffic. Mm. This man has recorded music with Paul McCartney, Rolling Stones, Michael Jackson. 
Wow. David Crosby, Fleetwood and Mac. Fleetwood wow. and Mac. Why did I add yeah, and? Fleetwood and Mac. <laughs> <laughs> Not just Fleetwood and Mac. Yes. Oh, and yeah. he has recorded and written songs like Feeling All Right. The smash hit. If you have heard Feeling All Right, which almost everyone in the world has yeah. heard Feeling All Right, you can think. Mr. Dave Mason on the show. Exciting. Exciting. But, Mike, we need to start where we start. Birthday suit. Happy birthday, Mr. President. Mike, you're looking looking good. 11 and a half out of 15. Jeez. Mm. Not too bad. That is well over the 60% mark, Mike. Well over the 60. Uh, You're 95 out of 165 for your career. Solid. That's not your true career. I would have to go back and look at all the, the shows before I started counting last year, which would mean it'd be like a year and a half more shows. We don't have to do that. We don't have to do that. No. We don't have to do all that. I, Mike, I'm waiting again until we get an intern that I can give them that job. Go back okay. and listen to all the shows. Oh, yeah. Jesus. I got to listen to you idiots that much? <laughs> That's right. That's why you're an intern on this show, you turd. I can't wait for that to happen, Mike. Anyways, Mike, here we go. Here is the condensed clue. I hope you can get this one. Lead singer of a fantastic band that we've had on this show, Matchbox 20. He also Rob Thomas. Woo! There it is. Didn't even Let's go. There it is. I didn't even have to get to the solo music of Smooth with Carlos no Santana. Way, no way, no way. Born on uh, February 14th in 1972, Mike, in mm. Germany. Didn't know that. Germany. Didn't yeah, know but he moved back to America when he was only six months old. And then he actually uh, grew up first in South Carolina, Mike, which I also didn't mm. know. Yeah. Then he moved to Sarasota, uh, and then he started, you know, doing the band thing all across Florida. 1993 was when he formed Tabitha's Secret which was the precursor to Matchbox 20. Of course, they wrote their their uh, their debut album, Yourself or Someone Like You, which went on to sell over 14 million copies. Jeez. And then in 1999, he uh, wrote the song Smooth with Carlos Santana. It spent 58 weeks on the Billboard Hot 100. It is the second biggest selling single of all time, Mike. It won three Grammys just by itself. Wow. Three Grammys. And, of course, Matchbox 20 has released five albums. They've got singles like Push, 3 A.M., Unwell, If You're Gone, How Far We've Come, She's So Mean. Just jams. Happy Mm -hmm. birthday, Rob Thomas. Happy birthday. Mike, are you ready to rip some headlines? Let's rip some headlines. It's now time for Rip from the Headlines. Mike, you were at the uh, epi- uh, Epicenter there this uh, yeah, this weekend. You, yep. uh, you saw it go down, the Super Bowl. Yeah, I did. Well, kind of. Well, yeah, you were in the city. Yeah, I was in the city. And it was pretty nuts, was it? Wasn't it? 
It was actually surprisingly not too bad. Traffic oh, wow. wise was not that bad. It was uh, pretty backed up on the side, the side roads, you know, around the stadium, yeah. of course, but it wasn't really that bad. No. There you go. Too, I, I'm calling yeah. BS on all of the media members that I heard talking about being in Las Vegas and it being nuts. There you go. There's a yeah. person that lives there saying you're full of people no way yeah f1 was way crazier there you go well they yeah. uh, had to close down all kinds of roads too with f1 oh, you know? yeah okay yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah regardless mike i don't know if you're aware of this but this was the most watched program in television history yeah that's crazy 123 million 123.4 apparently was wow. the average those 400,000 are pretty important uh, Mike, call me crazy, but I think it would have been helpful for us to have a Doc G Show ad during this this program. You know, that probably would have helped. Yeah, you know, yeah, for sure, that would have been nice. That would have mm -hmm. <laughs> talk talk about depressing though. How depressing would it have been if we would have made an ad, spent like six million dollars on it, and then the next week we get like a hundred more listens? Oh, <laughs> yeah. it didn't really pan out for the six million we spent. That was it's a real downer. Just have to write that off. Yeah, <laughs> find a tax purpose for this. Um, Mike, just a little perspective though on the Super Bowl. The viewers for the Super Bowl. That's the most views for anything since a man landed on the moon. That second place okay. was a man landing on the moon. Second place was a man landing. <laughs> which, wow! Which do you know how many people watch that? Do you have? That I, don't, I don't know the number, okay. Mike. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. I might be out of line, Mike, but I think the moon landing was a little bit more significant. Did Taylor Swift land on the moon, though, Doctor? <laughs> I mean, come on. Well, we did get we did get the obligatory shots, Mike, of Taylor. Oh, yeah. I think they were a little less than normal in a normal uh, uh, Kansas City game, but they were there. Yeah. 54 I, seconds. I got to say, Mike, Total. I was more interested in Blake Lively than Taylor. Yeah. Like, and, not, and, and I mean, she's looking great, but she's over there looking like she just got off the set of Living Color as a fly girl dancer. I don't know what, like, what was she wearing? <laughs> what was that? Listeners, if you're a young buck and you don't know what that was, there was a dance troupe on the show Living Color that would just come out and dance to hip-hop music in between skits. So there you go. That was my reference if you're uh, lost. Yes. Okay. Yes. But, like, I, like, obviously, Mike, you can wear what you want to wear. But, yeah. like, when I saw her wearing that red tracksuit, I, I just, I was like, man, if I was Taylor and she showed up in that, I'd be like, uh, do you misunderstand where we're going? We're we're not going to a breakdancing tournament in the Bronx in 1986, so might want the gold ropes and your Adidas sweatsuit is not going to work. Like, just weird, weird. Also, Ice Spice was up there. Don't know if you saw Ice Spice. I did, I saw, yeah. She yeah. looked disinterested in like 80% of what was going on during yeah, the night. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, she didn't care. I figured it's the fact that she has to stand beside two giants the whole night. That's a fact. You know, I looked it up. She's 5'3", and she's standing beside Taylor, who's 5'11", and more like 6'2". She's definitely not 5'11". She's definitely taller than 6 feet. She's one of those ladies that's like, no, 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 5'11", not 6 feet. 
Anyways, I Spice Next had to probably be hurting after that. She's just like, good lord. Never noticed. Why are you so tall? Anyways, Mike, that's enough Super Bowl. You ready for another topic? <laughs> yeah, let's talk about something. Let's go to another uh, sport, Mike. Let's talk about something. Let's do it. Uh, in the NBA, did you see Wimbenyama rolling up to his game Monday night? No. What was, uh, what was going on with that? He came rolling up in all black with a black ski mask on with goggles, like blacked out mm-hmm. goggles. So he looked like Blue Man Group, except in black. Okay. Like, just literally, all black suit, then black mask, black goggles. Looking like mm. like a super villain version of Daddy Long Legs. That's, I don't know what he was, like, was he sitting at home being like, you know, I'm just not getting enough attention at 7'4 and 200 pounds. <laughs> I know, I'll tap into my inner Spider-Man. That's what we'll do. Like, just, I don't know. Sometimes sometimes those pregame fits, Mike, they get a little Yeah. They get a little out there, you know? They do. They do. Harden, mm-hmm. he's, he dresses pretty well. He likes well. to do like it. Follow, good, good follows on Instagram, though. NBA league fits. Yeah. League fit. NFL oh, yeah. Well, t- yeah, take a look, good. Mike. I'm sure if you look on there today, you'll see that fit. You'll they see. Sometimes they don't show the the crazy, crazy ones, but sometimes they do. You'll see, see the Wimbenyama fit. Uh, Mike, moving on from sports, here's a headline from the AP. Quote, cough, sore throat. More schools suggest mildly kid six. <laughs> Screwed up on that. Cough, sore throat. More schools suggest mildly sick kids attend anyway. Yeah, I believe that. Mike, the article brings up multiple groups that have been urging kids to go to school, and uh, they're trying to do a better job outlining when school uh, when children should stay at home. Hmm. Uh, they end the article, Mike, uh, list the American Academy of Pediatrics, and the American Academy of Pediatrics recommends staying at home when the child has a fever, they're vomiting, or diarrhea. Or when the student, quote, are not well enough to participate in class. Word. So in other words, Mike, the same as it's for the last 50 years. <laughs> like, then I like how they go to some other uh, school districts, Mike. They go around the country, get a couple other school districts. Austin Independent School District in, test- in Texas, they list... Eye redness, undetermined rash, or open draining lesions as Mm. reasons to stay home. (laughs) Who has a kid with open draining lesions and is like, you know what? They should be fun. It's just a a (laughs) gaping wound that's oozing out green liquid like who <laughs> who's like you know like i should nah, should i take them to the hospital no nah, they should go to the, they should go to school that's what they should do yeah. they yeah, should they, they should to go, go to school and just rub around on other people and just be like hey sorry is my toxic sludge getting on you like <laughs> gross man yeah it's pretty gross come on texas come on and mike as a teacher as a teacher myself i know i don't teach elementary school t- kids because gross 
But as a teacher, I can tell you, if you have symptoms, any symptoms, if you sneezed once, I don't Mm -hmm. want you in my class. Do not come. I don't blame you. Yeah. Let's be clear. That's completely for my health. It has nothing to do with you. (laughs) Don't come into my class. Like gross no, i don't care yeah that would be disgusting Mm-mm. don't need yeah, it it's, it's, what do you offer masks in your class <laughs> i would a mask i would sir. spray them with sanitary just <laughs> hand sanitize hand sanitizer until they're just covered in it until <laughs> until they're dripping off of their hands i'll be like eh, i think that's good i think we're okay that's now uh mike little news out of the music industry uh Kanye's album, I don't want to really popularize it because he's a nutbag, but uh, Kanye's album, Vultures, came out. And Mm -hmm. uh, Ozzy Osbourne was not a fan, especially of his album release party. Ozzy said this. He went to uh, social media and said, quote, Kanye West asked permission to sample a section of a 1983 live performance of Iron Man from the U.S. Festival without vocals and was refused permission because he is an anti-Semite and has caused untold heartache to many. He went ahead and used the sample anyway at his album listening party last night. I want no association with this man! Exclamation point. Yes. Yes. Mike, I love Ozzy. First Mm -hmm. of all, me too. He's an amazing human being. Uh, But I do have to say, do you realize what kind of crazy you have had to have done for Ozzy Osbourne to want no association with you? Yeah, right. It's Ozzy. He's the prince of darkness. He is a man that bit a head off of a living dove. A dove. He is a chicken, but yeah. No, uh, bat and dove. The the bat Bat and dove. The bat was dead. The dove was alive. Oh my gosh. A man. He is a man that has drank a glass of his own pee. And then followed that pee up by snorting a line of fire ants. Yeah. That guy. That guy said, yeah, you're way too much for me. I'm not going to be associated with you. You have really crossed the line when that happens, Mike. That is your indication. You know what? I should reevaluate my life. I should, should look into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike, interesting one out of food and beverage. F&B. McDonald's uh, says low-income customers shied away from their restaurants in 2023 as prices increased. Mm-hmm. The company is focused on bringing those low-income customers back in 2024, Mike. Word. Coincidentally, at Arby's, they're planning on customers to come in 2024. What? So, good for them. Okay. I'm, <laughs> I, I'm kidding. I like Arby's a lot. If it weren't so unhealthy, I'd eat there every day. But I'm just saying, they don't have nearly yeah. as many customers as McDonald's. Mike, in the article, Chris Kimzinski, I think that's his, how his name is pronounced. He's McDonald's CEO. 
He said the company has seen a drop in low-income customers after it raised its prices due to in inflation. McDonald's estimates menu prices increased by about 10% in 2023 to keep up with rising costs. Uh, first of all, Mike, I gotta say, uh, Chris, you can cut the bullshit. You weren't keeping up with rising costs. You were getting greedy. Let's be real. Mm -hmm. yep. Let's be real. Yep. Se second, you estimate menu prices increase by about 10%. You run the company, man. We're not talking about some kind of unattainable numbers. You can go to the beginning of 2023 and to the end and say, how much did this rise? Yeah, this is this is how much it rose. Not, eh, we're going to uh, guess about 10 percent eh, i don't know come on come on and yeah, i, I could i couldn't help but notice through this article mike they keep saying they want these customers to come back but they never actually say the prices are going to get any lower at one point chris says i think that you're going to see as you head into 2024 probably more attention to what i would describe as affordability hmm yeah i didn't hear anything about the 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 Big Mac coming down in price. That's yeah, what we want, exactly. Chris. That's what yeah, we want. That's what we want to know. That's what we want to know. Well, how much is the Big Mac meal? Come on, bring it down. It's not low income customers. It's people that just don't want to pay fifteen dollars for a, a Big Mac. Exactly. We know it's terrible. We exactly, <laughs> Mike. Mike, did you uh did you hear about the King's cancer? Uh yeah, Prince uh Edward no, King. Charles. King. King. King, King Charles. Charles Edward. Remember, the yeah. queen died, so he's the king. Now. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The king. King. G God, God save. King has cancer. God save the king. Uh, yeah. uh, king Charles was diagnosed with prostate cancer. Now, first off, most people think he's going to be, you know, fine. They they called it pretty soon, Mike. And because of that, I actually saw an article, um, which I was like, you know, it's one of those the titles that I was just like, are. Are you telling us anything new? Because uh, the article, Mike, the title is, The King's Cancer Was Caught Early. His subjects often have to wait months. Hmm. Yeah. Mike, you're not going to believe this, but apparently when you're the king of a nation and worth billions of dollars, you have a better life than everybody else. What? So true. Weird. I'm, That's I'm, pretty wild. I'm beginning to rethink my whole viewpoint on monarchies and capitalism. What? <laughs> Next, they're going to tell me that the royal family got their position by unscrupulous means. Oh, no. Like, what What are you talking about? Of course. He's the king. What? Bro, come on. Absolutely ridiculous. Mike, did you see Lana Del Rey? Lana Del Rey? No, I don't think I... She's an interesting character. So. Yeah. Uh, after the Grammys... Uh, you know, she was there. She hobnobbed with uh, Taylor. She uh, did not get any of her Grammys. She was nominated, I think, for four or five, and she didn't win any mm -hmm. of them. Um, but after that, she went to Instagram where she posted a selfie of herself with a gun and captioned, Always chilling. Hmm. That's a fact. Of course, Mike. Yeah. I think we can all agree the one thing we need in this world is more armed people. <laughs> Thank you, Lana. Thank oh, you. So like, weird. 
What are you going to shoot somebody since you didn't win a Grammy? What is wrong with you, Lana? Mm. Like, I don't know. Do, uh, do you have any idea who Lana is, Mike? I really don't know. Nothing matches with her music with a gun. That no. is, you know, it, I mean, it, it's basically like, I don't know, Ice Cube in the 90s having a, a kid show and you being like, oh, that mm. makes sense. That's yeah. Ice Cube and the kids. He loves the kids. Like, I mean, what is wrong with you, though, Lana? John Morant got kicked out of the NBA for 25 games for doing that. Get out of town here with your handgun. Watching a lot of Britney Spears. She's getting inspired with oh, the swords. Oh, no, don't do it. <laughs> don't do it, Lana. Wait, do we can bring weapons into social media? No, we we okay? don't, don't want to see All those right. dead eyes, Lana. We don't want to see... The soullessness come out of you. That is no good. <laughs> Mike, we need to take a break. We are going to be right back. But first, we are going to hear a little bit of traffic right here. We're taking it all the way back. We're here. We're hearing Dave at the beginning. This, this is Dave with his, uh, with his song, Hole in My Shoe with Traffic, right here on the Doc G Show. Here on the Doc G Show, Spinnaker Radio, WSKRLP 95.5 FM in Jacksonville, Florida. Mike, what do the listeners need to do? Well, Doc G, if the listeners are feeling so kind and they feel like the show is a positive way to waste their time, they should please subscribe mm -hmm. on what? Apple Podcasts, That's one. Spotify, That's one. SoundCloud. Yeah. We're on YouTube yeah. now. Mm -hmm. Killing the game. We are. This would be a cost-effective way to support the show. And if the listeners are feeling extra generous, please leave us a review. Leave us a five-star comment, a five-star review mm -hmm. and a comment. We love comments. Mm -hmm. And also tell a friend, mm -hmm. tell a friend about the show, please. Mike, I made a mistake this week. Uh-oh. I actually told people I know uh, about the show. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I told I told him about the show and like and like I immediately regretted it. You know, I told him and I was oh, like, yeah. "Yeah, you don't have to listen." Yeah. Don't listen. You know what? D don't even look at the website. Don't do it. I'm sorry. <laughs> Just don't like go anywhere near it. Like, you know, I tried to I tried to take it away, you know, but uh yeah, I probably ruined it. Let's be honest. It's but <laughs> I will say, Mike, here's here's my plan to get more uh listeners on, or or followers on YouTube. Mm -hmm. I I I've as you know, I've conquered the short game. And by conquering the short game, I mean I've gotten some people to look at them. Sweet. Uh, uh -huh. Uh -huh. And what I need to do, Mike, is I need to attach them. I need to re do the linked related videos to the mm. full videos. Because oh, the yeah. shorts are doing it. The longs are not. Mm -hmm. No yeah. one cares about the longs. And, Mike, you have yeah. made your debut in the, one of the longs because I put up the old Tom Papa long video there. And oh, okay. uh, now, cool, cool, cool. now, granted, I basically just put you in when you actually ask a question. 
So all of yeah. a sudden, you just magically pop up in a circle, and it says, <laughs> and it says Mike Charette, co-host. <laughs> and then you ask your question, and you're there for a couple of minutes. I thought it was cool. pretty nice. I like the way that Appreciate it worked it. out, you know. But nice. so you've made you. your debut in the uh, Tom Papa uh, interview. It's very lovely. So. Ah. Great interview. It was a great interview. The guy's just so yeah. nice. He was actually yeah. just on uh, Games uh, Games with Names uh, podcast that Sam Morell used to do. Uh, Sam Morell no longer does it. It's just Julian Edelman, the former NFL player now, which I got to say, he's holding his own. He is doing a fantastic okay. job. That's good. At, yeah, like, I mean, it's one of those guys that you're like, really, man? Really? You're insanely athletic. You have a whole bunch of Super Bowl uh, championships. You you have millions of dollars, and you're charismatic and funny. You, come on, man. You <laughs> yeah, know? Could you please stop? Exactly. No, nah, no, nah, no, really. Way to do, way to <laughs> do it. Fall that. I would never follow that guy on social media. No I, way. I did. I did. I couldn't help it. He's just too fantastic. Shout out to Julian. He's Shout doing a fantastic out. job. <laughs> He's doing a fantastic. But uh, the reason I brought it up is because uh, Tom was on there uh, this past week. Uh, he did mm. the show. They ate chicken wings. And I was like, oh. yeah, I was like, what? I want to eat chicken wings with Tom Papa. That looks <laughs> awesome. Oh, it's yeah, good times. Sure. But Mike, we need to thank uh, the, the regulars. We need to thank the regular listeners. Here we go. Yes, we do. Shout out. Shout out Jacksonville, Florida, Columbia, South Carolina, Radford, Virginia, Gainesville, Florida, Frankfurt, Germany, Anoka, Minnesota, Ashburn, Virginia, Piracai, Brazil, San Diego, California, Dublin, Ireland, Boardman, Oregon, Genoa, Italy, Richard, Texas, Barcelona, Spain, Winfield, West Virginia, Biloxi, Mississippi, Tulsa, Oklahoma, Peoria, Illinois, Katy, Texas, Toms River, New Jersey, Olive Branch, Mississippi, Asheville, North Carolina, Los Angeles, California, Spartanburg, South Carolina, Athens, Georgia, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, Chicago, Illinois, and Boynton. Virginia. Shout out. Yes. Had a couple of stumbles there, Mike. Couple of stumbles, but mm -hmm. you know what? It's all right. Yeah. You know what I was just thinking about, Mike? We haven't talked about in what? a long time. Hmm. Jay's chips. Ugh. Jay's chips. Ugh. Oh, man. So good. Mike, I tried a weird chip this, uh, this other, uh, like, just a couple of days ago. Oh, yeah? What was that? Wild chips. Wild chips. Yeah, W I L D E chips. They're they mm. they're they're supposed to be made from from uh, uh, chicken and egg whites, and then they have some starch in there too. Huh? But it has it has you know it has way more protein uh, than a normal chip. Oh, okay. And less carbohydrates than a normal chip. And I gotta be honest, they were pretty effing good. They were pretty effing good. I had two different flavors. I had the buffalo chicken flavor, mm -hmm. and I had the Nashville hot chicken flavor, and both of them, money. Delicious. Okay. Yeah. Wait, so the chips are made out of chicken? or Yeah. Supposedly made out of chicken. Uh, chicken, like I said, egg whites, and then they're supposed to have bone broth in there as well. Uh, I, mm. I think it's all bull****. But it's still uh, a delicious chip, Mike. <laughs> regardless, okay. regardless right. if the ingredients are made up, uh, totally delicious. They're not the cheapest. I will say that. Yeah. I just Whole Foods. I just. Uh, I actually got them at Publix. Got them at Publix. Oh. Um, uh, right now, I'm looking at it, Mike. Uh, Google rating 4.9 with the wild chips. So, pretty high up there. Pretty killing the game with the wild chips. Uh, nice. I really want to try the spicy queso. 
uh, but I haven't find them available anywhere. I think I see them right now at uh, Target. And yes, listeners, I will buy them as soon as we go to break. <laughs> they will okay. be purchased as soon as we go to break. That's right. Um, Mike, we need to move on. We need to go to the four-star listens. We got some good ones. First off, <laughs> let's shout out St. John's Island, South Carolina. You might have been to St. John's before. It's literally right beside Charleston. I know you've been to Charleston before. Mm -hmm. It's right there. Uh, Mountain View, California. Shout out to those guys. Fort Lauderdale. Fort Lauderdale gets a couple more listens, Mike. Two more weeks. They're on the regulars. Regulars. Yeah, Fort Lauderdale. Home of a lot of cool things. Yeah. I'm not going to mention any of those things because I can't think of them right now. But I got one. Elbow Room. Elbow Room on the beach. Getting it done. Such a good spot. You know, Las Olas, just in general. The whole street. Ah, The Floridian. Got some killer blueberry pancakes. My goodness, the blueberry pancakes. They're fan. I haven't had a blueberry pancake since I was there because you know what? I was like, they'll be ruined if I have them anywhere else. Yeah. Uh, Next, shout out to Atlanta, Georgia. Hotlanta. ATL. Shout out to uh, Council Bluffs, Iowa. They've been a li- they've been getting it in. They haven't had it in uh, uh, consecutively, but they've been getting it in. So shout out to Council Bluffs. Shout out to Denver, Colorado. Shout out to Wausau, Wausau, Wisconsin. Yeah. Shout out to St. Louis, Missouri. Shout out to Metman, Germany. Shout out to Grand Junction, Colorado. Shout out to Cochabamba, Bolivia. Yeah. And I got to say, Mike, I look up Cochabamba, catching my eye. You know, I think yeah. I, I think I might have min- missed that when I was looking for my winter getaway. Should have gone with Cochabamba. 75 to 80 degrees year round. I wouldn't even have oh, to leave. Amazing. Yeah, I wouldn't even have to leave that place. Just... <laughs> Just year round. It's, it's, it sounds great. The only downside is it's like at 8,000 uh, feet elevation. I would mm. definitely have to do some adjusting, Mike. I don't, I, don't, yeah. I don't think I'd do so well at first. There would be lots of vomiting, lots of altitude yeah. sickness, and people would be like, it's 8,000? Yeah, that's the thing. People would be like, it's only 8,000 feet, and I'd be like, I'm a lightweight. <laughs> let me adjust below you. below sea level. Yeah, <laughs> let me adjust you, dude. I'm um, from oxygen-rich environment. Floridia. Yes, come on. Uh, Mike, last on the list, Paradise, Canada. Paradise, Canada. Uh, I can be honest, not really paradise. No offense, yeah. paradise. Like I t- the most northern city in Canada. It's, it's in Newfoundland, Mike. Newfoundland. Uh, and it is like, it looks like it is in danger of breaking off into the icy Atlantic. It is just mm, up there on, on the edge of the earth. And I, got, I mean, like, no offense, paradise. I want you guys to keep listening. But I would instantly die if I came to your location. Like, yes! instantly. I am not made out of the hardy stock you guys are. You No way. No way. You'd be like, here, have some clam chowder. I don't know why. Maybe they're just bumping <laughs> off of Maine. But regardless, no, no. But anyways, thanks for the listens, guys. We appreciate it. Uh, speaking of uh, listens, Mike, new category, real quick. Top five countries that have listened this week to the Doc G Show, excluding the U.S. Here we go. Okay. Shout out to Spain. Shout out to Ukraine. Shout out to Brazil. Shout out to Canada. Shout out to Germany. 
Top five countries outside of the U.S. Right there, guys. Thank you. Yeah, we appreciate it. And look we at do. look at the United Kingdom not getting on that list. Come on, Brits. What are you doing, Come man? On. Also, uh, Ireland. We say nice things. Yeah, I thought I thought I thought our <laughs> incessant talking about your horrible weather would get you on here. Come on, and your guys. King's cancer. Exactly. Uh. Exactly. <laughs> Mike, we got to move on real quick before the break. Fun facts you didn't need to, or you didn't know you needed to know and probably don't. There we go. Mike, I've only got a couple of them, so I'm just going to knock them out. First one, history of skyscrapers. We were talking about skyscrapers. Yep. The Great Pyramid. The Great Pyramid was the tallest building in the world for 3,800 years. Mm. That's a long reign, Mike. That's a good good run. Yeah, the Burj Khalifa's got several more years to go if it wants to pass that. Can you imagine a pyramid that, that tall? My God, that would be one time. As tall as the Burj Khalifa? Yeah. That'd have like a... <laughs> That'd have like a square footage of like 18 square miles if it reached that. <laughs> yeah. Like, just be so huge. My. It would like weigh the earth down. It like would, would just like be a sinkhole right there. Just <laughs> giant. It would be all of Egypt. Anyways, Mike, uh, our second one here in marine biology, whales make the loudest sounds of any marine animal, making whistles that can be up to 188 decibels. And travel up to 500 miles. Mm. Can you imagine being beside one of those guys when he let off a whistle? Like, dude, give me a warning first. What the <laughs> God. Give, yeah. me, give me a head start of a couple. What would happen, Doc G? What would happen to your body if you were that close to... Uh... I mean, honestly, if it was at 188, you'd, you'd probably have some, some ear damage, man. You probably have, I mean, you know, be like, give me a head start of a couple hundred miles before you fire one of those off. Uh, Mike. You explode. You just, just, just spontaneous. <laughs> just. <laughs> Mike, soil science. Here's a soil science fact. Soil science. Okay. A spoonful of soil. Uh, it just sounded like I was going to say helps the medicine go down. That'd be the worst thing for medicine. A spoonful of soil has more organisms in it than people on Earth, than there are people on Earth. Wow. That's how many little tiny organisms are in soil, Mike. That's sort of gross when you think. it. I mean, it's cool, but sort of gross. That's a yeah. lot of little teeny things going on there. Little teeny things. Mike, we are going to take a break. We are going to be right back with none other than Hall Rock and Roll Hall of Fame member, Mr. Dave Mason, right here on the Doc G Show. This is 95.5 Spinnaker Radio. WSKRLPFM, UNF Jacksonville. What's up? This Rock Montana. This Mucho Yellow. And this Rockin' Yellow. And you're listening to Doc G Show from 803 to 904. The best show on the radio. You dig?
Welcome back to the show, everybody. We are super excited to be welcoming a rock and roll Hall of Fame member, an absolute rock legend. He will be at Ponte Vedra Music uh, Hall there on March 6th, Mr. Dave Mason. Dave, how are you, sir? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Can't uh, can't complain. Let's uh let's start with your your newest release, a fantastic version of uh, Dear Mr. Fantasy, oh, with yeah. none, with none other than uh, Joe Bonamassa. Um, yeah. we've been lucky enough to have Joe on the show. You uh you released this uh, with Traffic back in '67. Um, yeah. I, I wanted to ask you, what what do you remember about? that song because I've, I've heard you talk about how much you like the song when when you guys were first working on it what do you remember about that song back in 67 well jim uh jim capaldi and steve winwood wrote it and uh but um <laughs> it was part of the very first traffic album so <laughs> um session is pretty much just cut live basically in the studio I played bass on it and on the original version. Played bass and the and harmonica on it. Nice. But it's just a great song. I rewrote it. I that original version's in a major key. And I <laughs> rewrote it in a minor key and changed some of the chords for this version. Huh. Um but it's kind of cool. Do it live, do it in the show. And uh nice. have Joe, you know, having doing it with Joe is just great. Well, yeah. I mean, you, you said I, I saw actually on a, on a post you had about it. Um, he is. I mean, he's an amazing guitarist. But mm -hmm. I was pretty impressed when you said you actually said Joe Bonamassa is exciting to you as playing with Jimi Hendrix. That's high praise. Oh no, he's he's just pretty good on guitar. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. He can he can play for sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, well. Now you you had a. Um, you had a single that was released after Mr. Fantasy there uh, with Traffic back in the day that you uh, that ended up being Traffic's highest charting song, Hole in My Shoe. Mm -hmm. uh, and I heard that was the first song you ever wrote. It was. That I mean, that's got to be some, that's got to pump you up a little bit when the first song you ever write goes to number two. <laughs> um. I guess I don't know. I just it just was the it was the times. It's, it's a bit of a studio record. It's mm -hmm. very. Hard. I mean, today you could probably reproduce it. Okay, back mm -hmm. then it was pretty hard to reproduce it, and mm -hmm. it was it was a thing of the times, the sixties. So it was a little bit Alice in Wonderland fantasy thing, gotcha. but it was cool and it was a huge hit in Europe, in England. Did did you think did you think after you uh wrote it like you know and after it had that success you're like man can I do this every time is this going to happen every time I write a song I wish <laughs> <laughs> Well when I was looking at the writing credits on those traffic albums most of the songs that you wrote uh are you solo like you wrote them all by yourself and there's only a couple that you wrote with other members of the band, like uh, Here We Go Around the Mulberry Bush and and Vagabond Virgin. Uh, did you prefer writing by yourself? Is that just just the way that you find to be more sort of creative? I was just the way, you know, I mean, I was a kid, 18, 19, 20 years old. Yeah. Trying, yeah. To, trying to find out what I can do and what I couldn't do. 
I mean, if there was an occasion to write with them, it would have happened and I would have done it. Jim and I wrote together. Yeah. Uh, it was um, Vagabond Virgin was on the second record. We wrote that together. Right. But otherwise, I kind of wrote, you know, that's what was going on at that time. That's what yeah. I was doing. <laughs> well, I mean, on the second album, you wrote arguably an even bigger song than Hole in My Shoe, which was feeling all right. Obviously been re-recorded, uh, I don't know how many times, 40, 50 times. Um, I heard you say you wrote it on the uh, Greek island of Idra. Um, mm -hmm. And I heard you say you needed, you needed life experience. How, how did you, how did you, uh, fall on Idra as far as going for that holiday of of that being, you know, okay, this is where I'm going to get this life experience. No, I just needed somebody to go to just figure, just, you know, think about where things were going. Yeah. Isolated mm. is what I that's need. Pretty, that's a pretty and good place to be isolated. And think about what I was going to do writing Leonard Cohen at a house there, actually. Um, and there was a movie that was shot, they called Phaedra. With Melina Makura, yeah. Nice, nice. So that's what that's what drew you in. You're like, I need to, I need to, I need to be in there. I wanted to get away. Somebody suggested it, and it was saying, "Look, okay, why not?" Now, of course, I of course. I no ties to anything. I can go wherever I want. <laughs> well, I mean, knowing what you know about the music business now, yeah, I, it's <laughs> got it. It's what got a business. <laughs> Well, it's got it's got to irk you. It, uh, it would it would go well beyond irking me, but it's got to irk you that you don't own the rights to feeling all right. That's well, I mean, regardless of that, I mean, I you know, I sold the rights to, <laughs> I sold some of the rights to it a while back. You know, it's an asset. Yeah, it served me well, so I let it go. It's, huh? Does it, I mean, does it like, does it feel weird when you see it like being used in something and you're like, eh, I didn't approve that? <laughs> Use it as much as you want. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, well, it's out, once you've written and once you've done it, it's out there. And certainly now it's out there with the internet when you talk about music business because there ain't no music. There's no, you know, making new records is like a, exercise in futility for an artist you know uh, being rewarded for his work because there isn't any it's, right it, yeah i mean it's gone a whole a whole part of the of the writer artist's work uh, is gone and out there in the internet yeah it's, it's zeros and ones so <laughs> putting a record out and trying to you know as part of your living, in other words, if you want to stay and write and do stuff, I mean, for writers and everybody, it's just, it's, uh, it's like I said, the road's the only thing left. Live yeah. where it's at, you know, until they AI that and figure that out. <laughs> but I well, can't you, that ever happening, frankly. <laughs> you, you've made the road your home, that's for sure. You have well, done that. For the no, there is no option at this point, you know, for anybody, any artist. I mean, any young artist or whatever. It's, yeah this is it this <laughs> been doing it since i was 16 so yeah see. well well to go back go back a little bit again there uh you were only in traffic a couple of years 
was it was it apparent when like when you guys got together you were in that cottage was it apparent that you were like this may be this may result in some really great stuff but at the same time i don't think this is going to last too long no i mean i i i knew it was going to be somewhat successful it had to be that winwood was in yeah i mean you were in it's what's but you know spencer davis yeah um pretty much i mean i sang on three of their records yeah so, um there was guaranteed somewhat some sort of success i mean as a member as a member being part of something like that i had to you know, I was I didn't want to write on just what his thing was. I was trying to find out what what I can do. How can I how can I add to this whole thing? Yeah. That was well, how I saw it. And I, whether it was gonna go on, I didn't see any reason why it couldn't have gone on in any number of ways as a as a unit to come back together, go do do solo albums if you wanted to, but always have a somewhat of a unit to come back to, but this just didn't work out. The whole story is in the book, which is coming out in May. Yeah, well, only you know and I know. Well, I was I was gonna I was gonna bring that uh, bring that book up. Uh, you wrote it with Chris Epting, and uh, I I've heard you mention before the music is is just a part of the memoir. Um, what 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 got you? You know what what got you wanting to write the book? I got badgered into it. I didn't want. <laughs> it's the last thing in the world I'd do if I was left to my own devices. That's a bad, you know, just fan, just fans for years. Yeah, and well, then, and then finally the wife, and then you know that was it. But anyway, but it happened that Chris turned up somewhere, which wasn't so much the writing, is that when it comes to dates and times and places and specifics. <laughs> unless i'm talking to you or another interviewer i'm not really going back to the past at all right in my you know in my life yeah so, so chris epting turned up at a gig and he just said i really want to do this uh i said well, okay if you can do all the facts and finding and all that stuff too so i know where i think you know where what and when yeah. uh, and that's how it worked and it was great this has been great for all that otherwise i wouldn't have if i'd have kept a diary it would have been fine but i didn't <laughs> you know what uh once you actually started writing it what would it was there was there a direction you wanted to go with it as far as like i mean or were you just like all right well i'll just start from the beginning and come up till now pretty much i mean it's, yeah. my, it's just a lot it's just as much of like that i could put in snap you know look into this was this this is this is my life up till now basically yeah. and here are the things nice. that happened nice the highlights here's the low lights here's the you know, it's someone's what? story but the but the but the point about it is is that uh, you know i've i've been fortunate and that i've i played with a lot of great artists but not only that i happen to have played on what became significant tunes from each artist yeah so yeah you know it's just it's just the way it worked out nice well i mean some of those highlights i've heard you talk before about the early days in london 
you know, the, the, and you've, you've, you've given so many times stories about Hendrix when interviewers ask you about Hendrix and, and the Stones and the Beatles and Clapton. And, you know, hearing those stories now, when you talk about going into those semi-private clubs, it, it sounds like, like some insane rock and roll hall of fame mixer, but I'm guessing it was one of those things that at the time it didn't really seem crazy. Did like, I mean, back then, you, I'm guessing when you were in those clubs, you weren't going, Mike, there's so much talent in these rooms. Were you thinking that or was it just a normal, let's go hang out, play some music? Pretty much just, just to go somewhere, hang out. There were, you know, basically places to go that you knew you weren't going to be really, that you weren't going to be hassled or bothered, that mm. you could, you know, they were, that's where they were. Some of them were private, some were semi private clubs, but they were yeah. small and they were, <laughs> you know, a lot of it was this them knowing you. Gotcha. You know, like that so it was places where we could sort of go hang without getting but without getting, you know, hey 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 hey. <laughs> <laughs> well, having that type of interaction, I mean, that's where you know I've heard you talk about like, that's where a lot of those opportunities came up. That's where you know playing with Hendrix came up. That's where playing with the Stones came up. Um, the only place that that reminds me of that I've ever heard from other artists, as far as that much collaboration in one place is, is in the scene of Southern California at the end of the sixties and into the seventies, which you were a part of too. And I was one, there was that, but also New York early on. Yeah. Steve, Steve Paul at a club. I think one night there was Hendrix and Dylan were, were jamming. I was down there. That was always a great place, a little tiny place in the basement. Um, Did you know, there was, listen, there was lots of stuff going on everywhere in the 60s. Okay. <laughs> so, what? Did you see any of that? Like when you went to, when you moved to Southern California, did you get any of that same vibe when you moved there as far as like sort of that collaborative because I mean you made a you made an album there with 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 Cass uh did you I, I mean Cass because that was uh, somebody introduced me to her and it happened to there was a couple that I knew from England really well that had, mm -hmm. were living there they'd moved over here and they were living at Cass's and was like oh my god what are you doing here? so <laughs> that's you know I was pretty much spent the time going to visit them and out of it just got to know Cass yeah yeah uh, well I that's I mean how that happened but yeah coming to I mean LA was you know I mean I knew Graham Graham from the Hollis was here and he was just starting with, with Crosby Stills and Nash so there were two or three people and then I played with uh, joined Delaney and Bonnie played guitar with them for about a year and a yeah. half they well, had a huge hit with my song, Only You Know and I Know. Well, when when you went to California, I heard, you know, Graham was one of the major sort of pesterers sort of trying to get you to come out there, to, to move out there. No. Um, no? <laughs> but how, it was, it, was it just on your own that you wanted to go out to California? Yeah, I mean, I just was up, but traffic, the traffic was over. And I was just going to come and, um, you know, I figured I'll move, I'll come to where this, all this music started. Nice. Come to America. Now, 
Did you did you hang out with uh, Graham a lot when you were when you first moved to California? A few times. Yeah. yeah he was busy starting on that on that band. Yeah. So on fl- his mm-hmm. thing. <laughs> well, well, when you got out there, uh, did you feel the the influence of? Yeah, I mean, there's obviously a lot of uh, of country rock at that time. You know, a lot of that sort of influence of the the Baker's uh, Baker sound um, and and just influence in general of country into rock. And you got a lot of those folk artists out there. Did you feel that influence when you went out there? Well, my I I get influenced musically from like all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. I we have you know if it's that if that's there. Then I'll absorb that. It's, it's, you know, I mean, I've written songs that are in very different, you know, styles. I don't really have one style of writing. Right. I'm, I'm, I like too many different styles of music. Sure. Well, so wherever it is, I'm going to try and, you know, take a little something from wherever, whatever's happening. Yeah. Well, when you released your first solo album, Lone Together, did it feel different to you then? Like feel more pressure than when you released Traffic album, since it was it was your stuff that for that that album. Um, yeah, I guess I don't know. You know, I was I'd rather be in a band, frankly. <laughs> it was just <laughs> it was all on me. But yes, I mean, I had great and all those great. They were all good, mostly set. You know, great session players. All those people that were on there. I mean, Leon had a had not really um, taken off yet. I mean, he mm-hmm. record, uh, it was either a band, an album called The Asylum Choir. Mm-hmm. Interesting album. But look, otherwise, those guys were doing a lot of session work. Carl Radel, Jim Keltner. Yeah. Know. Well, now, a lot of people remember that vinyl uh, for the, the multicolored marble. Yeah, uh, was was uh, was that the first time that style was used? Do you know? I think so. Yeah, who brought up that idea? That was there was a company that was Camouflage. I think was the name of the company. Uh, nice. Barry Feinstein, I think, was the guy. Camouflage was their design company. Nice. Did you? I mean, I'm guessing you ultimately thought it was a good idea when they first brought it to you, where you're like, man, that's cool. Yeah, let's go with that. Well, yeah, I guessed yes and no. I mean, I don't know. It's like, yeah, sure, let's go along with it. <laughs> what the hell, you guys, what do you want to do? <laughs> let's go to Western costumers and drive out into the middle of the desert and climb up those rocks and let me take a picture. Yeah. <laughs> Well, uh, you like like we brought up earlier. You are getting ready to go out on the road once again. I mean, you you do it every year, uh, and I mean, you're you're a, you're a road dog. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh. <laughs> it's how I mean. What did you do during COVID? Had to be so weird for you. I'm guessing. Took a break. <laughs> I mean, a well well deserved break for sure, but it had to be strange. So would you after fifty six years on the road? <laughs> exactly, exactly. It was just fine. 
And I made a and I got to put a great video together of feeling all right with me and uh, and um, Sammy, Sammy Hagar, and Fleetwood, and the Doobie Brothers. So yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, so like when you go out on the road, uh, you know, for a new show, um, yeah. I mean, is the enthusiasm still there? Does it take a while to build, or do you? I mean, at this point. I love playing. Yeah. Um, um, but, <laughs> I mean, I love playing, but, the, the, you know, I like, like most of us say, is that, you know, I'm not getting paid to play the music on stage. I mean, you're paying me for the other 22 hours. <laughs> right, right. Well, it's, now. It's basically what it's about. So, but yeah, I love, I mean, that's what I, I've done it all my life. So. Right. So. Well, now. So do it. So until I can't, I guess I will. Well, now this coming tour, the Dave Mason's Traffic Jam, yeah. you've got you've got ten shows in Florida. Um, I can't tell if Dave Mason loves Florida or as Florida loves Dave Mason. Is it both? I don't. You, I don't think you really want to bother touring anywhere else in America in this time of year. Okay, <laughs> that's true. At my age, you tour seasonally, okay? <laughs> I like it. I like it. That is, yes, that Florida, we have good weather. We can say that. Well, we it's going to be a lot warmer than where I'm sitting right now. So, yes, it will be. What's, what's, <laughs> it, lo what's it looking like there? What, what do you got temp-wise there? Well, let's see. There's, there's snow behind me on the mountain. And, uh, I don't know. What is it here, When? About 49 degrees, 52 degrees. Hey, no, it's, it's not, it's not that bad, but it's, uh, we're definitely beat you at 75. So, you yeah, know, feel bad for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dave, we are very excited for you to come down here to Florida. Very excited for you to be at Ponte Vedra Music Hall. And, uh, <laughs> our listeners need to make sure to come out and see you. I want to thank you for coming on the show, Dave. You are welcome, and thank you. You uh, have a great day. For sure. Listeners, make sure you come out. You come out March 6th to Ponte Vedra Music Hall. Stream all of his music that's out there. And right now, let's take a listen to Dear Mr. Fantasy by Dave Mason and Joe Bonamassa right here on the Doc G Show. And we are back here on the Doc G Show. Dave Mason, Mike, my goodness. My goodness. I mean, regardless of the, the everything, it's just impressive that this dude is 76 years old and out there doing 150 shows a year, man. Yeah, goals. I mean, that just shows you, one, how much he loves doing it. Mm -hmm. Two, the dedication, man. Dedication. After like three shows, I'd be like, ah, can we go back home? feel like it's 
This traveling is getting to me. Am I right, you guys? Yeah. Like, yeah. Even if I had a, a a giant bus, you'd still just, I didn't, you couldn't handle it. Couldn't handle yeah. it, you know? Yeah. I mean, he's been out there doing it for 60 years like that. Mm. It's crazy. Just a road. guys love it. Just a road dog, man. Just yeah. a road dog. And a rock and roll Hall of Fame road dog. So, there you go. Shout out. Shout out to Dave. Mike. We need to move on to the fastest growing segment in the world. Doc G top three. No, uh, Mike C top three. Oh yeah. my gosh. There Mike C go. top three. There it is. Sorry. Don't take your name away from it. It's your <laughs> name, Mike. It's your name. Now we chose an interesting topic. We chose yeah. the this top three foot in your mouth moments. Now, yeah. Mike, I think. I probably have like a thousand more that I that are probably way worse than the ones I oh, chose. For sure. Yeah. But I've blocked them from my own memory because of the embarrassment. So like yeah. I was actually trying to think of them and I was like So I've got three and the three are pretty nice. There is one that was just my number one is just very awkward. It was a classic one and it's always yeah. like it sort of highlights where it really started for me, of just a, a great <laughs> foot-in-your-mouth moment. But, yeah. uh, Mike, do you have any honorable mentions? No. Yeah, uh, I thought I'd leave them out, too. I was like, let's just try to keep this. I want to do the least amount of it. Yes, yeah. yes. Um, Mike, my number three isn't, like, this one's just more of a funny thing because of how stupid I looked. Um, it's not too much of a foot-in-mouth thing. But it kind of is. So, uh, me and my friend Craig, we were going uh, to paddleboard, and we were getting a, a, a several people to go, and we were going to pick up our friend Rachel at her place, and she lived on a street, you know, where there was only parallel parking, and uh, so we're driving up there, and I get ready to pull in the spot. And like I'm, I'm, I'm pulling in, and as I'm pulling in, Craig's like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa easy!" And I was like, uh, <laughs> "And I stopped the car. I'm like, don't worry, I'm sort of the best there is at parallel parking. All right, so you don't have to worry about oh, giving me the <laughs> angles and stuff, cause I got this." And <laughs> of, last words. <laughs> of course, I go into the spot, back up, and not in the backup, but I'm pulling forward to try to get as close as I can to the car in front and just slam right into it. Just uh. hit the bumper right in the car. And Craig just looks over at me and is like, best best that ever was? I was like, yeah, head. <laughs> all right? <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Luckily, Mike, uh, we didn't have to pull any jack moves or anything. Uh, the uh, owner of the car uh, was an older lady. She was super nice. She got out and was just like, I don't see anything wrong with it. You're fine. And I was like, cool. All right. Thank you, lady. But I did feel stupid from then on. And every time me and Craig went anywhere, he's like, oh, please don't tell me there's parallel parking. I'm the best uh, at it, Craig. I'm the best <laughs> at it, man. Anyways, Mike, you're number three. Oh, Doc G. So these, my my uh, my three are, uh, these are the bottom of the barrel foot and mouth moments mm. there have there have been plenty that have eclipsed but they are not appropriate for the show yep yeah we'll save yep. those for uh 
the Patreon. There we go. Anyways, so yeah, so number three for me, I was on a date with a girl when I was living in New York City. Um, Her grandfather had just passed away, like day of. And, uh, you know, my grandfather. Why'd you go out on a date? You know, I. That's her fault. Whatever happened, Mike, is her fault for that. I, I would kind of, I, you know, maybe I should blame her for this. Yeah, let's blame her. <laughs> but, Everybody, uh, we're blaming her. <laughs> but I went out, I was out on this date with this girl. She was telling me about her grandfather passing away. My grandmother had recently passed away. Mm-hmm. And, um, or no, it was the other way around. So it was her grandmother that passed away and my grandfather had recently passed away. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I said something along the lines of, well, you know, my grandmother is single, so uh, if you get, if you want to try to link up, uh, and it was uh, it was it was she was laughing, but then also crying yeah. at the same time. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it was so bad. It went so bad. went as well as you would think it would, listeners. That was how well that one went. Ugh. It was just a joke, but that was the last joke she would ever hear from me. <laughs> in in your head, yeah. you saw that going a lot better. A lot better. Yeah, it was terrible. It was terrible. I would yeah. see that going well, too. I think I would have gone with that joke if I were you. And I would be setting in the same situation as you, Mike. So, yeah. Yeah. Mike, a little bit on the same line, except this wasn't a joke. This was just being, being stupid. Um, so, right when I first got to graduate school, uh, me and uh, my friend Brad, we uh, there, there's, a, uh, there's like a graduate student party. And they invite everybody. And so, you know, me and uh, me and Brad go to this party. And, like, you know, I'm telling Brad, I'm like, all right, we got to get the, the hottest ladies in this party. Word. You know? Mm-hmm. We got yeah. to get, we got to zero in on them. Me and you, wingman, we're going to kill it. <laughs> so we come into this party. There's this girl across the, the way, uh, probably the most attractive girl in the, uh, in the uh, room. And I'm like... Don't worry, Brad. I see target numero uno. We're going for it. So I go over there. I try to segue myself into the conversation, right? Mm-hmm. And somebody's saying something about how they're going to take a uh, a trip to uh, Myrtle Beach. You know? The old dirty Myrtle. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm like, oh my God. Myrtle Beach. It's so skanky, right? Say what? It's like the skankiest place ever. You know what? The only skankier place on the whole eastern seaboard is the Jersey Shore. Like, that's got to be the skankiest place ever. And, of course, (laughs) the girl is like, I'm from the Jersey Shore. I was like, nice to meet you. I really like the place you live. It's a lovely, (laughs) lovely place. Needless to say, Mike, she ended up hating me for the rest of the grad school and totally, mm-hmm. totally makes sense. And I totally, Aww. totally understand. She also ended up marrying Brad. So there you go. Brad oh, Brad, you go. Brad, ended up there. Yeah. Yeah. So That's awesome. I, it was all it was all because of me, right? Yeah, you look so terrible. Exactly. Uh, there you exactly. If I wouldn't have done that, never got together. Anyways, Mike, you're number two. All right, so my number two, uh, well, so I was freshly back from failing at New York City, trying to live there. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I was totally broke and had no job. And uh, I was 
I went to uh, apply for a job at Universal Studios, mm-hmm. and the um, I got to the second part of the interview. Manager comes over, and it's the uh, it's a manager that I used to have at a restaurant in Disney, and uh, he fired me. Oh, and so that he sits down. We get into the uh, the interview, and it seems like he doesn't recognize me. Oh. so of mm. course, you know what. I'm gonna bring it upon myself. I'm going to don't do it. Don't do it, Mike. Him, hey, don't you remember firing me? So I said this, and uh, it got really uncomfortable. And um, the interview ended pretty quickly after that. And uh, and then I, and then that was it. Mike. So yeah, I would have. I mean, I wish I would have been there, sort of uh, uh, stepbrother style. So I could have leaned in and been like. Don't bring up being fired by a mic. <laughs> Don't do it. That's just uh, wait until you get the job at least. Come on, man. Mm. Yeah, that's a bad move. Yeah, was, uh, I don't know why I said that. How much longer? I thought did you it... know it'd be a bonding moment. I thought this would be something we would bond over. Hey, no. you've already fired me. No, start fresh. No. <laughs> how uh, how yeah. long did it take you to get a job after that, Mike? Huh. <laughs> I don't know. It wasn't that long. I think I, I think I picked one up pretty quickly. You know, it's restaurant gigs. So Two, three years. Anybody. It was fine. Um, <laughs> Mike, my number one. Uh, and like I said, this is one that uh, this one sort of started it all. Uh, I mean, no, it started it all because I definitely did some foot and mouse when I was like in elementary school and middle school. But this was just, this was classic. So um, this is in high school. We were having... A field trip, and the field trip started in the second part of the day. So we had like the first like three classes, and then we went on the field trip. And so in the first couple of classes, this girl Whitney, uh, in my class, she had broken up with her boyfriend. And you know, uh, at this time, I'm about a thousand times less sympathetic than I am now to anything like that. And like the whole time. She's upset about her. Like, she's literally, like, crying in class. And I'm like, what is ridiculous? How long did you go out with this guy? Uh, Three weeks? Who gives a Come on. What is this? You know, and I was just getting angrier and angrier about her being upset about this. And so then we get on the bus uh, for the field trip. And uh, I sat down in a seat. And um, somebody is like, hey, where's Whitney at? I was like, who cares, man? She's been crying about that boyfriend. I hope the guy's dead. Who cares? Good Lord. I go on this super long tirade about (laughs) how just horrible their relationship was. No one cares. No one is interested. And she was annoying to everyone in every single class. She then raises up out of the seat behind me where she had been laying down and was like, hey, Ben, I'm right here. Thanks for all of that. And I was just like, oh, oh, yeah, I'm not a fan of what you, oh, okay, anyways. And then, so then we uh, didn't really talk for like a week, two weeks after that. It was very, uh, we, uh, don't worry, we smoothed it over after that. Yeah. I think well, she, I think she realized it was pointless. She's married now and has like five kids, so it doesn't matter anyways. Oh, that's I, great. I exaggerate. It's not five. It's like two, I think. But still. That's the same. Yeah, it's, it's the, same, the same. It's the same. <laughs> uh, Mike, you're number one. 
Uh, my number one, I'm actually, I switched it up last minute because you actually reminded me of another terrible uh, thing <laughs> that I said to a girl. Um, nice. This was at five years old, five years old, kindergarten. I've brought this name up on the show. Uh, <gasps> you always blur it out, but her name is Brittany. Yes. Uh, so uh, Brittany, um, first crush ever, mm-hmm. kindergarten. Mm-hmm. We're in class. I don't know what prompted me to say this to her, but she must have done something with she didn't give me a crayon that i asked for mm. i don't know what it was mm. but i whispered in her ear you're an a- <laughs> <laughs> and um i didn't like instantly realize that that was a bad idea but she she got up she told the teacher and did then, she start uh, crying I, to, I don't know if she was crying or not but um i was sent to iss same day <laughs> in i kindergarten I, I had a kid start crying uh, because I called him uh, a d- in third grade. Ah, nice. I called the kid a d- <laughs> He started crying. I got sent to the principal's office, and then the principal off, uh, at the principal's office, the kid was there, and he started crying, recounting the story to the principal, Lame. and was oh, like, no. he called me the D word. And I was like, I did not use d- I don't know what. And then he's like, what did you say? That's that's offensive. We can't say that. <laughs> what is this? Right? Uh, it's very upsetting. But yeah, the 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 curse words back in the day, Mike. I love oh how my gosh. I love how you whispered it. That's my favorite. Part. Yeah. <laughs> that you went in, You're an asshole. <laughs> I could just see tiny Mike Charette going over to her ear. Hey. You suck. I want to kill you. (laughs) Oh, Oh, man. Sometimes you don't know how to control the emotions when you're young, you know? No. Mm -mm. You don't know how to do it. And you don't know, like, really, if you recounted that as a youngster, you would have actually been like, the reason I'm doing this is because I like you, Brittany. Yeah, it was a a term of endearment. I I don't know how to control my feelings. But regardless, uh, Mike, that was good. That was good. Uh, Mike, what's our topic for next week? How about top three jobs you would have other than your own? Okay. All right. We can do All it. Right. We yes. can do it. All right. Cool, cool, cool. I'm going to have to think about this one. I think your job may be, well, if I wouldn't my pants as a stand-up comedian, it might be up there. Like, if I put it up there as far as actually doing good at it, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I would want it up there. But that would mean I'd have to be good at it. But, uh, yeah, okay. I, I, I th- I'm, th- I'm thinking of some. I'm thinking of some. I think I've got, I've, I've at least got two. I know at least two that would be up there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, that's it, listeners. Make sure you, you get yours down. Top three jobs that are not your own. I've got, I've got a feeling yeah. there's there's some people out there that have some <laughs> jobs that are like anything. <laughs> the list is way longer than three, man. Um, Mike, we are going to move on. We got two birthday suits. I'm not confident with either. Uh, do you want the historical figure or do you want the uh, political slash billionaire? Mm, political billionaire. Okay. Probably won't get that one. And the other one, this one. 
Born on February 14th in Boston, Massachusetts. He's most famous for being New York City's mayor for 11 years and being the seventh richest man in the world. Hmm. He also has a television and a radio channel. Well, multiple television channels and radio channels. Hmm. Initials? M.B. Hmm. And I don't know if this will help you or not, but uh, the year he was born was 1942, and the years that he was... uh, he was um, mayor were 2002 to 2013. Yeah, I don't know. You're, you're going to know the name when I say it. Michael Bloomberg. Michael Bloomberg. Okay, I was going to guess Michael, but then that last name I was not so sure of. But hey. Yeah, yeah, you probably had the other... Uh, you, you probably had the other um, mayor in your head of Bill de Blasio would be my guess. I don't Rudy know. Rudy Giuliani. <laughs> or one way back there. Oh, Rudy. Yeah. 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 But yeah, uh, let's see. Michael Bloomberg, uh, who is worth a mere $96 billion now. $96 billion. Oh, sorry. Wow. I owe 94.5. Let's oh, not get crazy. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, he's ranked as uh, seventh on the Forbes list of billionaires. That is wild. Doc G, I mean, tell me if I'm wrong here. You will. But, like, in <laughs> 2000, what was it, like, the richest guy? What, what, wasn't it, like, Bill oh. Gates? I think he only had, like, $5 billion. We have had some ex- – not not that low. Not that low. Okay. But we have had some extreme inflation in, uh, in the richest people in the world. Yes. Wow. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it, has, it has skyrocketed in the last 20 years. Um, I'd like to say there, it was like a big thing. Let's, let's just, I'm going to Google real quick here. Bill Gates worth in 2005, uh, 46.5 billion in 2005. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, we've definitely had some real, real, uh, inflation over the years, considering that, you know, Bezos and, and, and Musk are now like 300 some billion dollars. Insane. Uh, absolutely nuts. Regardless, Mike. Okay. Let's try to get a two for three. We don't want to get down to one for three. That's not a good week. That is not a good week. Uh, here we go. Um, our birthday suit wearer is perhaps one of the most known civil rights activist after the Civil War. You got me his biography signed by David Blight. Oh my gosh. Um, wait, Abraham Lincoln. Damn. No, no, no. Uh, can't believe it. Something Jackson, right? No. no? I'm off. It's okay, Doc G. I'll, t- I'll take the L. I'm going to give you the initials. Let's Can't see if you it. can get the initials. F.D. Mm, Frederick Douglass. There it is. There it oh, is. I can't believe I, I bought the book. I have two of them. You did buy the book. You did. <laughs> I a book and a speech. You did okay. buy the book. Wow. Frederick Douglass, man. 
Just uh, just an absolute legend. Uh, he didn't know his exact birth date uh, because he was born into slavery, so they just mm-hmm. didn't even care. Uh, but since his mom called him her little Valentine, he chose to celebrate his birthday on February 14th. So that's when we celebrate it. So there cool. we go. But our birthday suit wearer escaped from slavery around the age of 20. After escaping slavery, our birthday suit wearer became a staunch abolitionist and activist. He came out with his autobiography in 1845. In 1855, he released another book called My Bondage and My Freedom. Our birthday suit wearer worked closely with the administrations of Lincoln and Grant and many other presidents to ensure equality for all. When working on drafting laws for equality, he was quoted as saying, quote, I would unite with anybody to do right and with nobody to do wrong. Such a good quote. Such yeah. a good quote. Our birthday suit wearer is thought as one of the leading Americans coming out of the Civil War and is a monumental figure in history. Mr. Frederick Douglass. Yes, indeed. Fantastic, man. Just fantastic. Such a good orator. Such a good writer. My orator. gosh. What's yes. an orator? What is that? Speaker. Okay. Speaker. Like just a, amazing, amazing at, at giving speeches. Regardless, man. Uh, yeah. Happy birthday to Frederick Douglass. Mike, you were uh, one and a half out of three. So 50 year. Uh, I can't believe that- it. Frederick Douglass. That, that's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a low one for me, Doc G. I can't believe I missed that one. Sadly, I think that's your lowest of the, the uh, year. I don't think you had had any one so far this year. So one and a half. Let's try to next week, Mike. We'll pick it up. We'll pick it up. Mike, next week, uh, huge guest. Very exciting guest. We've got none other than Sully Erna from Godsmack on the show. Very exciting. Very exciting. Listeners, we've already recorded the, uh, the interview, and I'll let you know. Um, I was very sad when I thought he was eating a uh, double tree cookie, and he told me that they had du- they had graduated from double trees, and I was like, "Uh, <laughs> double tree's pretty nice there, all right, Sully. <laughs> it's a pretty quality quality hotel." But nonetheless, me and Mike got to see him enjoy a delicious cookie. He we was did. just he was just eating a cookie right there, and I was like, mm-hmm. "Well, way to not bring any for others." Okay, I know this is a I know this is a online interview, but you could still offer. Let's just say seriously. Regardless, Mike, it is a fantastic interview. I'm very excited to uh, for you guys to listen, and uh, just the fact that we got uh, the lead singer of Godsmack on our show, effing amazing, just crazy. But uh, Mike, we need to wrap up the show for this week. I have been your host, Doc G. With me, as always, the one, the only, Mikey Maximus, the Fernicus. Charette. Always a pleasure, Doc G. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Of course. And until next week, zip it up and zip it out. Zip it a doodah.